Hello and welcome. My name is Diana Bolsinger. If there's one thing I've learned in my decades with the CIA and as an instructor of intelligence studies, it's that spies matter when presidents are setting foreign policy. Diana, hi, I'm Christopher Clary, an assistant professor of political science at the University at Albany and a non-resident fellow at the South Asia program at the Stimson Center in DC. And you've convinced me we're here today because I wanted to talk about the role of secrecy in the US-Pakistan relationship. And Professor Bolsinger has a fascinating article out in the winter issue of the Texas National Security Review entitled, Not at Any Price, LBJ, Pakistan, and Bargaining in an Asymmetric Intelligence Relationship. So Professor, tell me why you concluded that spies matter. what do you find? what do you learn about alliance politics in the process? Having worked in both the intelligence and uh, foreign service career paths, I've always been curious about how secret equities affect foreign policy decision-making. One area that we really haven't studied enough is how clandestine cooperation with other nations impacts our foreign policy. We do know that it's a factor in our policy-making especially after the 9-11 attacks and the global war on terror. The problem is that it's really hard to get at because the documents that support the case tend to be classified and unavailable. That's why I uh, turn to the example of US-Pakistani dealings during the Eisenhower through Johnson administration. It's a great case. We're now 60, some 60 years from the events. So there's a tremendous clash, cache of declassified documentation. And what I find is that when the United States set up intelligence collection bases in Pakistan to monitor Soviet and Chinese nuclear and missile operations, it gave the Pakistani leadership the leverage to demand more and more aid. Even more importantly, they took that aid even as they built up their ties with China, something which made LBJ absolutely furious because he expected them to stand with us against the communist states. What our secret bases did though, was to give Islamabad the upper hand, even though objectively, Pakistan needed our aid much more than we needed the basis. So that's the main thing I explore in my article, why that secret investment gave Pakistan so much leverage for so long. Yeah, you know, Professor, I thought the article was great and it for a couple of reasons, but one is it helps clarify just a huge range of relationships beyond just the U.S.-Pakistani one. You have great examples that I think will resonate with, um, you know, the, the Shah's Iran, Mobutu's uh, Zaire. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, relatedly, I see signs of this co covert secret relationship all throughout the history of the U.S.-Pakistan alliance, which I've studied intensely for a while. Um, and precisely because it's secret, there are these gaps that have previously created puzzles. So, you know, mm -hmm. I've spent a lot of time, as, as you have, I'm sure, reading declassified documents. And I've always 
been struck by how many people were, were frustrated with how slow the U.S., was to switch to like a deeper relationship with India, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reasons I think are quite clear, it's because of these concern about offending Pakistani sensibilities um, mm-hmm. and, and losing access to these, these listening posts, these, these spy plane launch sites, et cetera. Um, and so you get these people that were subsequently Bob Comer, blowtorch Bob Comer, uh, this Kennedy exactly. Johnson advisor, and he's, he's, he's pulling his hair out. He says, we're betting on the wrong horse here. Um, and in the last 20 years, this has only become like more true. You know, it's impossible to understand why the U.S. has permitted Pakistan to get array with stuff that nobody else would have, except for if you think about the U.S. policymakers' intense desire to make sure they could get drone access to Pakistan, intelligence sharing about troublesome individuals. Uh, you know, it, it just runs through the whole relationship. And I think your article is a great um, wedge to help un- to, to help wedge open some of these previously uh, un- unconsidered or un- un- uh, not completely understood insights. What do you, so, you know, how do you think about it in the big picture? Well, first of all, I agree with you very much. And since we're running out of time, I'll simply boil it down to two things. One, Precedents matter because of these misunderstandings in the 50s and 60s. This created a legacy that shapes our relationship today. And the second is alliances are never settled. They're constantly renegotiated and specific tangible equities such as an intelligence collection base seem to outweigh larger global dependencies. Great. Thanks for talking with me, Diana. My pleasure.